How are you feeling about your finances, Podsters? Or more importantly, how are you feeling about your knowledge and understanding of your finances? This episode left me shook. And regardless of where you are financially in your life, regardless of if you are the only person responsible for your finances or if you are with someone and you, you both contribute, this episode is a game changer for women and money. You would be shocked at how many women don't pay attention or outsource managing the money to their partner or have a rude awakening later in later years when they really sit down and look at what's where, who has access to what, what's happening, and what's going on with their money. I'll be honest with you. This episode, this is, this is a good one. This is one that, for me, really forced me to get my head more in the game hold myself accountable and show up differently in my marriage and how I'm looking at my finances or our finances. If you're single, we have tools for you there as well. I bring Michaela Herlihy. She is a badass financial planner. She runs a financial services firm on Cape Cod, all women, by the way. And she's here to tell us how we can have fun with this, to share tips and tactics, to help us understand the value of taking that few minutes or that night or that meeting or whatever the case may be, and to make sure that you have a seat where decisions are being made about your finances. So with that, I introduce Michaela and Women and Money. Are you ready to speak up, stand out, and get your seat at the table? If so, you're in the right place. Welcome to Unmute Yourself, the podcast where you'll get real-life anecdotes and actionable tools for you to step into your strengths, debunk imposter syndrome, truly know your worth, and show up like you own the room every time. I'm your host, Nancy Medoff, who did the thing and followed my passion for empowering women like you to unleash that inner spark and become who you know you are meant to be. I'm a diehard foodie with a raging Skittles habit who will not stop until women everywhere unmute themselves and truly thrive at work, at home, or wherever you may be. Let's do this. So Podsters, we are back. I could not be more excited to introduce Michaela. Let me tell you why. So I met Michaela over a year ago. Was it like 14 months ago, maybe? Yeah. 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 So we met at a conference, loved her energy, loved everything about her. And I'm like, I need you to be my friend. And we actually followed through and got together and kind of just helping each other, different spheres, different worlds. But the message is the same. It's about empowering people to own their truth and own their outcomes. So Michaela, I do this very fancy onboarding form where I ask you how you want me to introduce you. And I did not look at it. So Perhaps you can introduce yourself. Sure. <laughs> so in order, I guess for introduction, I'm a certified financial planner and I've been in the industry for 18 years. 18 years. Yeah. So I mentioned that because I've seen a little bit of all of it. And one thing I love about my job is you never have the same day twice because awesome. everyone's financial situation is just so different. So it's exciting for us to get to know people and, you know, kind of get all the pieces of the puzzle and then put it together to have a nice discussion. I work, I own Beacon Financial Planning in Hyannis, Mass, but we work with clients all throughout the U.S. And I have a phenomenal team. It's seven women. Um, and <laughs> they're just, they're awesome people. They care so much about the outcomes for our clients. And we're just very fortunate. We work with awesome people and we have an awesome team that we work with together. So you Nancy, do. I have to um second that it was so great to meet you. I think there were so many people at that concert that, or sorry, conference that we were just kind of like, eh, and then, <laughs> but then you and I met and I was like, yeah. okay. And it yeah. kind of it actually like made my whole day better because then I was like, all right, I got to be open to meeting more people, yeah. which did happen, which is always great. But I am happy that we did follow up and I, I really appreciate it from a professional level and personally. I love it. Me too. Me too. So I want to clarify. So you own Beacon Financial Planning. Uh, so you can plan finances for anybody in any state or is it Massachusetts only? 
No, so we are registered in a bunch of other states. So wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Great. All right. So I mentioned to Michaela, probably about 70% of you, podsters, are female. I will say that most of what we talk about today probably applies to anybody. And at the same time, Michaela and I had a couple of planning sessions where we were just like going to town about talking about why women don't look at their finances, what they should do, the root awakenings, why there's the root awakenings, how to make it easier, how to make it more fun, how to make it better. And a lot, one of my greatest takeaways just from our conversation was I need to do like a monthly money night with, with my partner and just say, let's just look at everything. Although I think one of the reasons why I'm not is because I spend a copious amount of money and I really don't want to look at it, but I should because it's my future, right? That's right. Yeah. I think one of the biggest messages is women make sure you have a seat at the boardroom in your household, right? And for the men monsters too, I would say, you know, that doesn't always go, there aren't just as in anything else, gender roles can be different in financial planning too. So we find a lot of times that it's actually the women that handle the day-to-day cash flow, but they may not know as much on the side of like the investments or the estate planning, like more so some of that. So, and there, there's a lot of reasons and a lot of psychology behind that. So I think one of my goals, I know anytime I sit down with someone, I understand that financial planning might not be their favorite topic. But we hope to find ways to make them enthusiastic about like, okay, you know, so many people in my industry make this topic sound like it's so hard and it's really <laughs> tough to grasp. That's not true. <laughs> um, there's a lot of concepts that we can break down and make um, very easily digestible for people. So I'm excited today that we'll get to touch on some of those. Totally pumped. And so why don't we just jump right in with with the statistic that And I've been wanting to have Michaela on for a long time. And we both agreed that it's probably best to do it now because of the new year, new you, everybody's kind of getting their act together, reorganizing their lives. So I read a stat and then you sent me some stats. Mm -hmm. And what I read was that 77% of women who either are get divorced or widowed, or there, there was something else I can't remember what it was, disability, have a rude awakening about their finances. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, what have you seen anecdotally? Sure. So we meet a lot of people in transition, right? So that could be a new job. It could be death of a spouse. It could be disability. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that comes up that people like, number one is they don't always know where all the information is. So if I can give you one piece of advice, um, definitely make sure you're having conversations with whomever else is involved in your finances, but also like the appropriate person that would be if something happened to you and the likelihood of you becoming incapacitated, depending on your age is much more likely than death. Right. So we don't always think about that. Sometimes we only jump right to death and it's like the life insurance and the this. It's like, well, what if you became incapacitated and you couldn't pay your bills? Do you have an executor set up that could do that. And does that executor know where the information is? So that's, that's one piece. I would say whenever we have a woman in transition with a loss of a spouse, it's one piece of advice we have is that for the first year, we try not to make any big decisions. Yeah. There's, there's power in the pause. We like to say in my office, I love it. And Sometimes you have to remember that life happens and you have to give yourself some grace, right? So that's one example of a time we might pause that. Sometimes we have clients that are in a work transition and maybe they've gotten a settlement package or they knew they were going to leave their work. So they had saved up and we're ready. We try to really look at the whole picture with that too, right? Like, sure, what are the financial impacts? But, and Nancy, this probably speaks much more to the work you do with people, but what are you looking for? Like, how do you solve this for the whole person, right? So how do we make sure the financial house is in order, but that you still are um, feeling fulfilled and yep. adding, feel that you're adding value yep. where you yep. are? So those are, pro- and like, I would say divorce is definitely one of the big ones that we see. A lot of times um, people do not understand. We all like probably can picture the emotional strain of divorce and all that comes with that 
there's a huge discrepancy in what people like the first year they do their taxes as not married and the impact that has is huge. As you know, Nancy, I'm on the board of that local nonprofit. We can, they help women. They do like a divorce boot camp, And I, I'll often encourage people to go to that. Even people that I don't think should get divorced. Right. Right. Sometimes I'll encourage them to go to it to see what are the impacts of that. And like, does it make sense? And that's for someone who like, you know, you know enough about their relationship and you think that they have enough fight in the game, like that it would right. be worthwhile right. to fight for the relationship that right. sometimes I look at that as more, pardon me, as like an education Yeah. to say before you make a decision, let's certainly take a look at the whole picture. So those are probably the biggest ones for transitions. Yeah. Okay. So, and e okay, well, okay. All right. So we started with, first of all, nobody gets married thinking they're going to get divorced. Right. And yet 50% of marriages end in divorce. So this is not meant to be a buzzkill. This is meant to be a reality. So mm -hmm. the, the first thing I heard you say that really resonated with me, and you all can guess why this resonates with me, is know where everything is. At the very least, at the very least, know the passwords, know where the accounts are, you know, and if if your partner, and, and I'm going to talk about women who are not partnered up financially in a second, if your partner hesitates to give you any of that information, well, that's a different conversation. So, you know, maybe it's like, listen, I will wrap it up in an envelope and put it in a safe and never use it. I need to know where the stuff is. And that's, that's, that is a big one. That's a big one. I think a lot of women don't. Well, in today's day and age too, just, you know, there are ways to share things that are read only. Right. So it, it's not like you can make transactions. So right. I, I don't really think that that's a bad thing. But I am very for transparency with anyone you're sharing financials with, for sure. Hundred percent. And so for those of so so for those of you so you podsters that are not financially tied with someone, you could be married not financially tied. You could be in a relationship not financially tied. You know, I got married very late. I I brought plenty of my own net worth into the relationship. So so that's great. Still know where things are. Like. I mean, I have a folder that's probably has 600 pages in it. I'm being sarcastic, maybe 60 pages in it. And I probably need four to really know where everything is. I just stuff it in the folder, which a lot of people do. We all, we've all done it. So for those of you that are, you know, on your own financially, so to speak, same thing, know where everything is. That, that's a logical conversation. The other thing that you said that I, that I remembered, and I remember this from a long time ago, I met with my first financial planner many, many years ago. And he said to me, I'll never forget this. He said, so, you know, let, let's figure out where you want to go and figure out how we can get you there while still living the lifestyle that you want to live. And I was like, well, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I still want you to have fun. I still want you to be able to spend the money we want to spend it, go on vacation. Let's, let's figure out how we can build for your future while you can still, still enjoy your life now. And you guys, Michaela's smiling from ear to ear. I never thought, I thought it was a trade-off. I thought, well, if I think about my future and invest in my future, they're not going to let me spend any money. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Just I have um, two very close friends that happen to be gay males that are married. And <laughs> I one year gifted them with um, a, a financial planning session with one of the ladies in our office. And it was so funny. The feedback afterwards, one of them was like, I thought you were going to say, I can never get a new car. I could never do this. Da, 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 da. There were so many things that I thought it was just going to be so negative. And he right. was like, it just really opened my eyes to see what little, and it really, it, like what little tweaks you can make. But also like one of my favorite things is that, I don't know if you've ever seen in, a, in some of those cute little gift shops, they have those notepads and it's like wants and needs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Big difference. And their, one of their biggest takeaways was what really made us think about wants versus needs. Yep. And there's a lot of empowerment um, when you know what your needs are and your wants, and you can divide those into two separate columns because then it helps you to prioritize. And if you accomplish something on the needs side, maybe you then reward yourself with one of the wants within reason and things like that. So there, there are a lot of different tricks. It's kind of like when you go to a specialist for anything, right? Like when I need my teeth cleaned, I go to the dentist. They know what they're right. doing. Right. And they're going to tell me the things I need to know that I may not have thought of or like the great hat. So 
I would definitely encourage people find someone that you feel that you enjoy, that you could see yourself working with. There's a great resource, napfa.org. It's N-A-P-F-A. Yep. Yeah. National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. The big thing with them is anyone that you find through there, they don't sell any products and they don't make commissions. Oh, so interesting. Like, yeah. So they're what's called fee only. So you don't ever have to worry about like, for we are also fee only at Beacon. I think it is just nice to, you should always know, and you can use an advisor that makes commissions. I'm not saying you can't, but it's really nice to know how people are compensated. Yep. You know, I think our model is great because it for me, I really feel like we sit on the same side of the table as yeah, clients. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That website also has um, a great link, Nancy, that I'll get to you that it talks about like the 10 questions you should ask an advisor. Oh, that's great. So that's great. Yeah. If the podsters would be interested in that, I'd be happy to share it. I love that you're calling them podsters. That makes me so happy. <laughs> so a couple of things you said, I want to make sure we go back to, and I agree. It's incredibly empowering to know that you, I mean, think about it. You can put your head in the sand and hope for the best. That is not a strategy. It's incredibly mm -hmm. empowering to know that you can have both. And this is something I say to myself all the time, all the time, just because I can, doesn't mean I should. Right. Yeah. So I say that, you know, 8am I get upgraded to first class on a flight. I don't just because I can have a glass of champagne doesn't mean I should, right. Just because it's free and I can't. Right. So the same thing with just because you can buy the whatever Maserati or just because you can get the wool Merino wool sweater, whatever it is, doesn't mean you should. And that's incredibly powering too. And if you know that if I, you know, you know what the trade-off is, then, then, you know, that should becomes a little bit easier to find. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think too, like when you make those lists of the wants versus needs, we live in such a get it now society that it can be hard. And I, you know, I have a lot of friends that are raising children and they say, gosh, it just gets so hard. You go to some of these birthday parties and they're so extravagant and this, and, and I'm like, well, that's okay. But you like, if you don't want to do that for your kid or like that's, you know what I mean? There are so many ways you can make things fun and stick to a spending plan that works for you. That doesn't jeopardize your needs in order to fulfill that want. Right. So yep. Yep. I think there's a lot of power in reframing it. Like, it can be, I always joke with people like, we don't use the word budget in my office. You'll always hear me say spending plan because budget sounds like diet. As soon as you say it, I'm like, bye. <laughs> Not right. interested. Budget's about can't, right? Yeah. Whereas right. like a spending plan, as you just alluded to, it's like, yeah, we put in what, what is your spending plan that we want to have in there for travel every right. year? Love it. Sure. We're going to make sure your homeowner's insurance right. gets paid, right? right. Right. And that there's food on the table, but all of those moving parts. So I, I'm a big believer in if you reframe it and you mentioned those monthly money conversations. So the idea behind that is for so many years, I was just listening to people and I was help. you know, my, when I got my certified financial planner, my dad said, congratulations, you're one third financial planner one third life coach, one third marriage counselor. As you say, and, therapist. Yeah. 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 And I can say 18 years in the business. He's exactly right. And I wouldn't take it any other way. If I only talked to people about numbers, right. I probably wouldn't like right. my job as much. Right. Um, but I mentioned that because it became so apparent that we talk about money when something's going wrong or when something's making us nervous. So what if we change that story? What if we proactively have a monthly money meeting where you go through like, okay, let's look at all of our accounts. Let's look, hey, are our beneficiaries the right, who we intend them to right. be if something happens to us? What's our estate plan look like? You don't have to look at all those things every time, but what if you had a proactive meeting where you said, let's sit down and look at just the course, like all the accounts, see what those values look like, mm -hmm. review our goals, right? Mm -hmm. How are, Hey, are we, should we high five? Are we getting closer to that college funding goal or retirement goal? Or maybe it's saving money for a new renovation on the house or a new, a second home, whatever it might be. And then I always say, add something positive to that meeting. So maybe that's the night you order for your favorite takeout or yeah. something. Yeah. Or if you guys both enjoy like, I don't know, a certain movie or something right. that you want to watch after it, just find a way to make it fun. So that's something you look forward to. And again, just like shifting that mindset. So it's something you're looking forward to rather than something that you're going, Oh boy, I don't want to go do that. I love it. I call that ritualizing. Mm -hmm. So I, and I'm thinking about, again, I'm, I'm thinking about the women who are listening and the men 
who are single. So if it were me and I was single, I would do that monthly meeting with myself. And then I'd probably open a nice glass of wine or, you know, go to one of my favorite restaurants and sit. And, you know, I used to love sitting at the bar by myself. I just loved it because I was in sales. I was on the phone all day. So I could just go sit there and just, you know, whatever. And yeah, make it fun. And if, you know, whatever, glass of tea, glass of coffee, you know, whatever, do it and then go for a walk on the beach. I think that's, I think that's incredibly powerful. And I love, we love words matter here at Unmute Yourself. So we love change the conversation, the reframing, all of it. And if you think about it, so I'm looking at some of the, some of the stats that you sent me over 46% of women say money negatively impacts their mental health. So this was from a BlackRock webinar, right? Was this from a, yeah. 40, half of women say that money negatively impacts their mental health. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. And I would blame partially my industry. Again, like I said, in the opening, like people make it sound so intimidating. I think that's changing. I do think it's getting better and the women are being included in the conversations and they're actually- they're much more targeted now too, because when you look at statistics, women outlive men. And when you look at the transfer of wealth that is set to happen within the next 50 years, women stand to be the ones that are alive and that are going to inherit a lot of assets from their aging family. So I think when you don't enjoy talking about something or just hasn't been part of your life, so you don't necessarily have the confidence in talking about it, I'm guessing that plays a huge role into why that number is so high. Whereas if we're empowering each other and just learning even like a little thing, like a lot of people, um, if you're at a bigger organization, HR might offer these like financial seminars. You might always go, oh yeah, I should go, but then something comes up and you don't want to go. Maybe you just reframe your mind around that and say, you know what, I'm going to give one of those a try because I think there's got to be at least a a tidbit I can take from that, right? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. But I do think intimidation sometimes can play a role in um, why, I mean, it is, that's 47%, that's a high number, right? That's a very high number. And it's always been taboo to talk about it. And I'm not talking about, you go into a dinner party and say, well, how's your 401k doing? Or maybe you could, you don't need to talk about, how much, you know, uh, you don't have to talk about the specifics of how much, but how, you know, I I remember I have a friend and she listens to this podcast. We worked together for many, many years. And we used to say to each other, we worked for the same company. And I'd say, how'd your 401k do? And she'd be like, you know, 9% or whatever. We had some pretty good years in there. And I'd say, oh, mine was only 4% or I'd take a screenshot of just the return or whatever. And it drove me because I'm like, well, I don't want her having more, more than I do, or I don't want her doing better than I do. And just kind of fun, you know, just from a fun perspective. And again, I'm not, we're not saying get into the details. You know, at the end of the day, the more you talk about it, the more advice you're going to get. And I knew I wanted to bring this back to, you know, I love the NAPFA website. I also would say for me, it's referrals. Like this is me personally. I, there is no way I am meeting with somebody unless somebody else can vouch for them. There's just not. Yeah, so I would say one of the one of the great places to check with that is if you have a good relationship with a, CF, a CPA that you work with, they'll have an idea of your personality and who might be a good, usually they work very closely. Like for us, any client that comes to us, we work really closely with their CPA and their estate planning attorney. If they own a business, their business attorney, et cetera. Those are, would be the people, whoever, we kind of say like as financial planners, we want to be the quarterback. So we make sure all the planning you've done with your CPA and your lawyer fits into the whole plan. And then we can stress test it with all these different what ifs. So definitely, definitely lean on referrals and just, you know, interview people. It's a, it's a huge decision who you want to work with. And then to your point about the 401k, like, I love that, that you guys, you know, you and one of your coworkers were making kind of a fun little check-in about it. I think that's great to like, you know, have that skin track, but I will say, I also warn people all the time of be careful of the water bubbler recommendations because honestly, I have never had this. I've never had someone come in and then leave and they needed the same exact advice as any other of our over 350 clients. Never, ever, ever has it been like, oh, okay, they need exactly what the Joneses needed last week. Yep. Never. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. situation yeah. Yeah. is so different. So sure, she might've got a 9% return and maybe yours was lower, but maybe that's because your risk tolerance is very right. different. Right. 
things of that nature. So while I love it for yeah. like encouraging each other, I do always tell people just to be wary because I can't tell you how many people will come in and say, well, my coworker said this, and I think it's great to start the conversation. That's like, I love people in our industry have like a love-hate relationship with Susie Orman. I oh, love, I forgot about her. I used to yeah. love listening to her. Yeah. <laughs> I But I always say to people, I love what I love about Susie Orman is she brought the financial planning conversation to every table. Hundred percent. She well, she appealed to the lowest common denominator, right? Which I would say dumb it down, but that's not really nice. And no, she, she wasn't it dumbing in, it down, right? She put it in layman's terms. Well, she put it in attainable language and gave people actionable items. Now, again, the issue with that is you can't cookie cutter it because everyone's situation is different. But hey, if someone went out and bought a Susie Orman will and did a will versus yeah. not having a will, yeah. sure, I'll take it. <laughs> well, the other thing she did, she used to have, was it a talk show or a radio show? This was right. A, so yeah. she made it mainstream. Correct. She got people talking about, about it. Yep, absolutely. Like the importance yeah. of educating yourself on it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And she was direct. She'd be like, oh girl, like she, oh, I remember this. I can't remember what it was. Must've been a talk show. She would, people would be like, well, I really want to save for this, but I'm $20,000 in debt. She would be like, no, pay off your debt first. Like, or, or yeah, whatever, whatever the case may be, but she would give it to you straight and you need someone to give it to you straight. You really do. You do. You do. Yeah. My mentor, Linda, is very much like that. And I bought a practice. So I have a lot of the clients that were at one point hers and they'll say to me like, I'm so happy Linda yelled at me that day. And I'm like, yelled at you. And they're like, I'm like, they're like, well, forcefully told me that, no, that was, I needed to go this way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have some younger podsters and you said something to me when we were talking and I wrote it down because I thought it was great. And I, and I, and I, I, I so believe this and I want to tell a story about it, but you said compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world or something like that. Albert Einstein said that. So I was oh. quoting him, but thank you. I'm glad you're putting me right up there with him. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're smarter than him. So I remember I was just starting out. It was 1991. It was my first real job out of college. And I had a food and beverage director. I was working at the Copley Marriott and he sat me down and he said, right now you will sign up for your 401k. He said, you know, he didn't, he, I sound like he's bullying me. He wasn't. He said, we match it. It is free money. There was an employee match, an employer match at the time. You put the money away, you put away however money you want. And I promise you, by the time you're ready to retire, you're going to have more money than you ever could have dreamed you would have. And it's true. Yeah. I, I always say it's not what you make. It's what you keep. So if you have an employer sponsor plan, or even if you don't, okay, because that you can always do an IRA, which is an individual retirement account, as long as you have earned income, but with a, a retirement plan at work, right? Like raise your hand. If your boss came to you and said, I want to give you like three to 5% raise. How many of us would say no? Right. None of us would say no, right? None of us would say, oh, no, thanks. I don't need it. You would say right. yes to that. So that's what I equate the match to. Yep. If there is an employee employer match, make sure at a minimum you are putting in the employee amount to get the full match. Yep. And the reason I say it's what you make, it's, what you, it's not what you make, it's what you keep is because there's so many great tax advantages to that. So just on a real high level, if you're putting money into a 401k or an individual retirement account, an IRA, the money that you put in, you don't pay federal or state tax on the money that goes in if it's a traditional 401k or a traditional IRA. So again, like raise your hands if you want to pay more taxes. <sighs> no one's raising their hand, right? There's just these little things. And the reason we say the compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. So that's to encourage you, you know, at no matter what age you're at, right? But especially if you are younger and you have time on your side, if you put that money in, right? And then some, whether someone's matching it or not, then you have the, what we call the power of compounding. So I, I'll equate that with, I don't want to go too hot. I don't want to get too in the weeds on it. But essentially when, and someone, when you have those plans, or if you set up an IRA, someone can definitely help you to choose the investment. So if that's one of the things that's keeping you from doing it, maybe a fear of not understanding it, don't worry. Someone will help you to do it. Okay. 
But once that money is in there, it's like your money can make money in your 100%. seat, right? Yep. Yep. So when we sit down with clients and can show them their gains over time, and I can say like, do you remember how hard you used to have to work to make that much money in one year? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So well, when we when you look at compounding, what I did was I talk about the salary pay gap and over a career lifetime, it can equal up to a million dollars based on a woman, you know, based on where she lives, whatever. And that's compounded. That's your compounded salary. It's the same thing. It's not the 87 cents on the dollar. That doesn't sound bad. When you times it out over 40 years, it's up to a million dollars. That's a million dollar problem. That's compounding money, right? That's right. Yeah. One other thing I used to do is when I was contributing to my company's 401k, I would take half of my salary increase every year and increase that into my 401k. So if I got, let's say hundred more bucks a week, which I don't think I really did, but if I did, I would take 50 bucks a week and yeah. put it into my 401k. That way I got some and my money got some. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you podsters, you blink your eyes and you are 50. And then you're talking about retirement. And then you're saying, boy, am I glad I put some of this money away and let it grow and let it work for me. Well, and because you're not paying taxes on the amount that goes in, your take-home pay isn't yep. super, usually isn't very like hugely impacted by that. So like, we'll do a challenge with people if they're not currently maxing their retirement plans. We'll say, well, what if you try every six months to increase it by 1% till you get to the max? Because little increments of that change and what you see that it's not a huge difference in your take-home pay and aligning it with things like a raise is, yep. is great. Yeah, because again, it's not what you make; it's what you keep, right? I love it. I love it, and I like that you don't say save. It's because you say save, and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. You say keep. I'm like, oh, all right, that sounds a little better. Yeah, <laughs> wild, right? I'm like, I'm not saving. Who saves? I don't know. Okay, so a couple other things, so you guys can see why I love talking to Michaela. And then I want to, I want to, I want brass tacks. It's January. What can the podsters do to just pull it together? But before we do that. So my friend proved this to me. I have a friend who's a financial planner and he started to prove this to me and my eyes went completely blank. And I'm like, whatever you say, <laughs> every seven years, allegedly you double your net worth. Oh, it's the rule of 72. Okay. That's what he started talking about. And I'm yeah. like, just tell me it's true. Yes or no. And I'm good. So the rule of 72 says, if you take the number 72, and divide it by what your return has been, okay? So in that situation, 72 divided by, if your return was 10, would be 7.2 years. So it would take for, it would take 7.2 years to double it, okay? To be a little bit more conservative, I'm gonna say, take the rule of 72 and divide it by seven, and okay. then it would double every 10 years, right? So I'm, so gonna, oh, I'm gonna do four, 4%. <laughs> Let's say you're only making 4%, which is possible. Yeah. Some people yeah. put stuff in well, a today in today's in today's environment, you can make four in a money market. So that's easy right. to do. But so 72 divided by four, that's 18 years. So that's that's good that you mentioned it because I was like, woo, why wait 18? Let's get the 10 year, right? Okay. But that brings up a good point. So where, you know, not all your money should be invested the same way. Right. So for one tip for January, I guess, would be do you have an emergency fund? And what the hell is an emergency fund? What should it be? So our rule of thumb is that you should have six months of your living expenses in an emergency fund yeah. so that if something happens, you lose your job, if you had any incapacity, et cetera. You if know, there's you a global least, pandemic, if there's a global, global pandemic, pandemic, right? Yeah, that you have that I'm okay money, all right? And Nancy, in your line of work too, I mean, having that money, if you're going to make a big job transition, obviously would make it, that just buys you time to be able to make a healthy decision all around, right? Um, so we're a huge fan of that. So making sure that number one, you have an emergency fund. Now, some people will be like, holy cow, that's way too much. That's a lot of money. How am I ever going to get there? Again, just bite it down into like digestible pieces. So if that means you do a hundred bucks a week into your emergency fund should be kept at a separate place than your normal banking. Cause I don't want you to do that little transfer thing. That's so easy to do all the time. So I keep mine at um, capital one, three sixty. 
Ally Bank. Is, oh, you're doing all right. Good. Right. Ally Bank is another good one. Yep. There's a website called bankrate.com. Yep. You can yep. go on and put like what you have for cash in your zip code. It can tell you like what the best rates are. Yep. Be careful. Some of them are teaser rates that like they'll put a really great rate, but then it changes. I've stuck with the Capital One 360 for a long time because you have to basically, they only have actual physical locations in certain like big. Yeah, it's hard. So you're not paying for their real estate, right? Whereas different banks, they got to pay all this overhead. So they have consistently been competitive with keeping their rate good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I look for because I don't have the time to jump from bank to bank. Right. But the psychology between like I do my banking with local banks, right? But the psychology of my Capital One 360, it doesn't even exist to me. So when I was building my emergency fund, I had it set up automatically every pay period. X amount of dollars went to that. And I honestly think mine started at like $50 a pay period. And then I, again, I got used to it and I was okay with it. So then I challenged myself, okay, I'm going to increase that to 75, you know, over time. So that built that. And that's just the, like, in my 18 years of doing this, I found that specifically with women, money is just security. It's like, am I okay? Are my loved ones okay? That is the baseline of what they're most concerned with to begin. So you, just like you would make sure that if you have kids or nieces or nephews, whatever it is, like your people, you would take care of them and you would make sure, right? Well, please do that for yourself, right? So make sure you have that emergency fund. Some people call it pay yourself first, right? Yep. And the joy in that is once you hit that six month reserve, now you're so used to that behavioral finance, right? You're so used to doing that savings. That's when you look at, ooh, what's my next goal? And this is where you get that energy going where it gets exciting and like financial planning can actually be fun. Yep, (laughs) I totally agree. Well, yeah, I totally agree. I will say for me, for many, many years, you know, we heard three months, four months, six months. I would say to myself, well, I'm never going to be able to come up with that six month cushion. So I'm just not going to do anything. I I can't tell you how many years I did that. And I would Mm -hmm. spend and spend and spend. So I think it's important. You're saying work on your uh, your emergency fund. And also like, what else can you be doing at the same time? I think is what I'm getting at. Absolutely. Like I was, when I was saving for my emergency fund, I also just at the time, you know, I was in my twenties, I wanted to make sure I was saving for a house too. And I, you know, I've been a financial planner since like the year I got out of college. So it's kind of like forever in my blood. Um, And I wanted to make sure I was saving for retirement. Right. So I still allowed myself to save a smaller portion towards my down payment fund and into where I did a Roth IRA at that time. It was a smaller amount because I knew the priority had to be the emergency fund because if I had a true emergency, guess what? I wasn't buying a house. Right. That's and true. my retirement yeah. goal was further yeah. off. So, yeah. um, but it, it is okay to, to fund simultaneous goals. It's again, just making sure I think of the emergency fund. If you're building a house, it's like the foundation to make sure you're okay. Because the worst thing I can think, like the worst thing obviously would be something health related. Right. But then the next piece would be like, what if someone gets laid off or something and they have to take a job they hate? I just, I, I don't want people to be in that position because right. that's right. going to, that's going to put a drag on your stress. You it's going to be health yeah. impact, all yeah. that, you know, we really say health is wealth in our office and we mean it because if you don't have your health, none of this stuff is going to really, really matter. So I look at it as that is an emergency fund, but it's also a wellness fund, right? It's, it's taking good care of yourself. It's also a, how can I put this tactfully? It's a take this job and shove it fund because a lot of people think that when they get to the point, and this is what I do, I coach people how to do this. When they're ready to leave their job, they're going to be super busy in their new company. And it takes time to build up your client list. It takes time to make money. You're going to have expenses. It's not, (laughs) you know, so I tell people, wait until the last possible moment to leave your job. And, and listen, I was miserable for a long time because you're not going to make money like that for a long time. And you're going to be spending money. You're going to be spending money on your website and your branding and your 
product or whatever it is. So that six month cushion, that's how, that's how you live. That's how you, that's how you can do it. You can't do and it. Also, you have that. And it gives you, it, it gives you um, a sense of security. It makes you feel empowered. And then in cases like you're describing, it keeps you from having to take, like when your gut says, I shouldn't take this person, I shouldn't take this client. It allows you a little bit of freedom. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So you said emergency fund. And then part of the next benefit of that is that then you can move on to the next goal, monthly money meetings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I would say a check-in on your goals, right? It's the new year. We're all thinking about goals. So make sure as you do that, do like a financial wellness check-in, right? So Mm -hmm. what are your goals? And like, be as crazy as you want, go as big as you want, because a goal is a goal, right? We're going to, we're going to put out a goal, but then as I said earlier, we're going to take it and make it digestible bites that are realistic that we can fit in. Right. I love it. Um, And then my mentor would say a goal without a date is just a wish. So as you're putting these goals down, attach a date. So sometimes that can be hard for people. So sometimes I'll say, well, put the date you're going to start it. Okay. But if they say, okay, I'm going to, or I want, you know, I want $5 million at retirement Yep. Then say, I want $5 million at retirement at what date do you want? Like what, what year does retirement ideally look for you? But then I want you to have a second date. That's when you're going to like, what, when are you going to take the first step? that's gonna allow you to do that. So even if that's just, I'm gonna go sit with someone in HR and learn about that employer match they're talking about. Yep. Maybe you're way ahead of that game. Maybe you're already maxing your retirement plan. And you're like, well, I've, I've always given myself such a pat on the back for maxing my retirement. But if I wanna retire with X amount of dollars and maybe I want the flexibility that if I wanna tell my company to pound shit and I wanna retire right. early. Right, right. <laughs> What would that look like? So maybe the next step is you're going to go find a financial planner to talk to about that. So there's there can be more than one date when you attach the goal because one date is going to be when do you take the first step. I love it. And I have the perfect solution for this podster. So we do a vision exercise here. We did it last year. We're going to, we're doing it in January. We've probably already done it by the time the podcast airs. And it's where I encourage people to look at where you want to be in 2029. And it's it's complete. It's drawing. You draw. I, I can never say that word because I'm from New England. You sketch out what what your life looks at because this works. I've done it. And then I've looked back and everything that I sketched out came true. Everything. Oh, I'm looking. I did this activity with you where when we I met, oh. you, did, you had us do it. Oh, I did. That's right. At the South Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, where's my notebook from that conference? Because I did it. Yeah. So you probably I'll did it for 2028, 20, right? So- so podsters, we did it for 2029. So then this is the next logical follow-up is, okay, so I've done this with so many people. One woman wanted to own a grilled cheese truck, right? That's what she wanted to do. She wanted to own this food truck, right? And I said, well, one truck or, or do you want to own a fleet? She's like, well, can I own a fleet? I go, I don't know. Can you own a fleet? So if you look at 2029, how are you going to get there? You're going to need some financial planning to do that. So maybe- when the financial goals support your vision, your 2029 vision. So you can then tact, 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 tactically with tactics break down. If I want to have a fleet of cheese trucks or whatever the case may be, mine has always been, I want to fly. I want to spend most of my time traveling, traveling with, with Danny. Great. What, what are, what's our financial goals so that we can do that in 2029. And then that you can break down even further into your monthly meeting or, or your yearly meeting or your quarterly meeting, whatever the case may be. This ties perfectly into the vision exercise. Perfect. Yeah. Look, I found it. What do you have? Tell me what, oh my God, 20, you guys, she's holding it. This is so cute. Yeah. So that means we were, five, we met in 2022 then, right? Yeah, that's you weird. Okay. No. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So mine so it, has yep. relaxing at the beach or the mountains because I okay. love both. I love both of those things because they remind us that we're small, right? Oh, I love <laughs> There's a that. whole universe love out that. there. Yeah. So when you have, for me, I live a mile and a half from the ocean. So anytime I have a big thing going on, I just go down there and I'm like, I'm just a pebble, you know, Same. Same. <laughs> it's okay to have emotions yep. and everyone goes through their stuff, but like, it's right. a nice reminder. So I have that and I have someone next to me. I'm currently single. So okay. I have a partner to do that with. I'm crazy about pickleball. So more time for pickleball. I didn't know that. I just took it up. 
Ooh, okay. So that's our next date. Yeah. I just put family and close friends. So I have a lot of people and lots of hearts. Yep. And I don't know, am I allowed to share my epic outcome? You can do whatever you want. This is unmute yourself, girl. Okay. Healthy and peaceful living. Oh, healthy and peaceful living a simple life filled with love. Perfect. Right. Yeah. And you want to know what very much alike that like we love our beach walks and yeah. our, for me, yeah. the things that I want, it's they're very simple, yeah. but I want to own my time. And that's where my right. financial goals. come in. Well, what's interesting is there's nothing in there about work. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing in there about work. And I'm telling you, I am going to look you up in 2027 <laughs> and it's going to be remarkable. I want to go back to your beach thing. The reason yeah. what I love to do when life becomes overwhelming for me, I, I go and watch a sunrise because no matter what happens, you know, in the middle of COVID, I did this a lot too. Like the world was just pure. It was, a, it was game of Thrones. I mean, it was unbelievable. And the sun always comes up. Doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter. Doesn't none of it matters. Cause the sun will always rise anyway. Yeah. I like that one. I like that. I, that's funny that you did that. That's great. So with your example, you have either the beach or the mountains, right? So, so this is me thinking five years from now. Great. So my financial goals would be, would, I would drill it down a little more and be like, how can I have a home near the beach and a home near the mountains or a home near the beach and vacation in the mountains? And that's how you start really bringing that to life because the money is what powers it. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Yeah. And then I would say another one, I make myself every year do our first steps client packet. So anytime someone meets with us, we have a packet that basically it just like organizes, get your financial house in order. Yeah. So because I always want to know what it feels like to be in the client's shoes, I make myself do it. Oh, that's every great. Year. That's great. So it's like, you're, it's basically just asking you, prompting you for a lot of questions. There is a piece in it that is an income and expense worksheet, which again, I call that a spending plan, right? Because, and people hate that part. I can tell you when, so many times when we get this packet back, that part will just be totally discarded. So I'm like, no, funny. no, there's a reason it's in there. That's so funny. I mean, understand that, right? As I said before, if you said diet to me, I'm like, see ya, have a great time on the podcast without me. Right, right, right. Um, so um, I force myself to do that every year. And I would say it is really empowering because then I have it and I can compare year to year. And sure, people might not love to go through all of their expenses, but it, there's so many opportunities when you do it. Like I made myself when I did it the last time I went through and looked at like all my subscription things. I'm like, okay, which of these do I actually use? And I think I ended up cutting out like 60 bucks a month, which for me, I just increased what I save every month automatically into my investments. And I was like, oh, so like you said, that's not just going to be $60, right? That's going right. to grow and right. compound and all right. of that. Right. So again, finding a way that can maybe energize you around it. I mean, who doesn't like to save money, right? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So you are going to give everyone a first steps document, right? You're going to provide, yeah. Great. Happy to provide that for yeah. you so that I would encourage people to just take a look at it and maybe put as one of your goals to complete it. I would say ritualize it, eat a cup of tea, glass of wine. You know, it's dry. I'm sure everybody, a lot of people are doing dry November. Yeah. Sit outside on a beautiful day. If, you know, if the sun's shining, bundle up, sit outside, whatever, like find one of your favorite, put on some music, light a candle. You know, that's how I, that's how I get myself to do things that I don't want to do is I bundle it with something that I like to do. And just right. maybe your commitment is to just read it, just read it at first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's a whole section in there that has you like put in goals and then you prioritize them. So even if you just did that, that would be great. Oh, I like that. So <laughs> because you could have 25 goals, well, that's great. Now let's prioritize it. Oh, I like that a lot. I like yeah, that. Like, let's get, let's think of a like top three first, right? Or what, what we could do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Michaela, you're the best. What do you have anything else for the podsters before we wrap it up? I would just say, just as Nancy's always advocating for us to speak up, unmute ourselves, make sure you're doing that as well with your like empower yourself and do that. Make sure you have that seat at the board table in your financial household, right? So whether that's you, whether there's other people involved, 
and just look at that as an empowerment, right? That's going to help me stand taller and my shoulders be back and me to know that life is going to throw something at us. It always does. So the things that we can control, we want to commit to have a good handle on. And just, I promise you, if it's like, you're sitting here listening, like, oh, I hate this stuff. I hate this stuff. I would love to encourage you to maybe find someone you could work with that could help break that down for you because there's a huge psychology behind money too. So how we were raised, how money was handled as we were growing up, if we have siblings, like what their relationships with money looks like, the adults that we admire in our life. Do we have a money mentor in our life? Is there someone we look up to? You know, everyone's history around that is so different. So sometimes there's some psychology behind there to unwrap. And I would just encourage you to, again, give yourself some grace, but maybe say, I'm going to dip my toe in that this year. I love it. I love it. And I would say that, that, that looking at your finances can be fun. I want to give a plug for your uh, brick and mortar location. So Michaela's office, it's like walking into a spa. That's what I would call it. There's a fireplace. It's white everywhere. There's beautiful custom mirrors locally sourced by scallop fishermen that I bought a one to match, by the way, there's books, there's coffee, there's wine. It is a delightful experience. And that's a great example of you're going to go into like, you're going to go downtown, fight traffic, try to find a place to park, go meet with your planet. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be nice. Yeah. Some people never even come into the office. We love them too. But some people are 100% virtual. You know, one thing you'll never see in our our office, it's so funny, like in our, when you walk in, like you're never going to see a Wall Street Journal. Uh, you're gonna, that's what you hire us for, right? That's the knowledge. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. But um, the, the goal with our space, I love that you compared it to a spot, is you're coming in to share a lot of things. We want you to feel like you're welcome into our home yep. and we're going to build a lifelong relationship together. Perfect. I love it. Finances can be fun, Podsters. Thank you, Michaela. All the links are in the show notes and peace out, Podsters. That's a wrap, Podsters. And before we go, I ask you, what's one thing from today's episode that you will use this week to unmute yourself? DM me, email me, send a smoke signal, whatever you need to do. Let me know what you're going to do differently. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know and leave a five-star review on Apple. This helps me spread our message of empowerment to more people worldwide. Let's do this.